Welcome to Season 2 of the Creative Sober Podcast, where you will hear personal stories from sober creatives on what inspires their creative process and what works for them to stay sober. I am your host and sober creative, Missing May. I find myself growing from these conversations as I continue to deepen my own roots in recovery. I hope they help you too. In episode two, I speak with Rachel K. Baldwin, who identifies as both a wanderer and a homebody at heart. She is passionate about criminal justice reform and helping the still suffering addict. Rachel is a first time published author of a memoir called Against Such Things. We talk about her journey of healing through her trauma, her writing process, and what it takes to stay close to her sobriety. Rachel Baldwin. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm great, May. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me uh, on this episode. Um, you know, I've been following you since the release of your book, and I'm so excited to talk to you about that and, and then also learn about the journey of creating all that and putting you know, words on the pages. I'm really excited to be here and have the opportunity to collaborate with you on this. Um, we like to start the podcast um, or the episode leading into uh, sharing a little bit about your backstory and who you are and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Could you share some of that? Oh, gosh. Uh, backstory. Like, I mean, I don't even know where to start. Um, I'm a recovering addict. Um, I walked through a lot of trauma in my life, a lot of stuff that I didn't think that I would survive or that there was um, another side to after, like that that would just be it. And um, somehow I managed to come out the other side unscathed. For me, I just couldn't let that be enough. It couldn't just be, well, you know, I went through all of these terrible things and now life is good and that life is happy and perfect and, and wholesome um, and pretend like those things hadn't occurred in my life because there's so many other people out there struggling as well. It became, um, this was a seed that grew and grew and grew inside of me and I had to, I had to communicate with people that were still suffering that there was hope and that there was healing and that no matter how scary things were for them, there was another way of life. And I tried to ignore that for a really long time and just be like, no, that's fine. Just get on with your life. Don't dwell on the past you know, let that go. But that just doesn't, that doesn't work for me. It doesn't encapsulate all of the things that make me, me. Um, And so I was kind of living a shell of a life and, and going on rote of what it is you're supposed to be and how what being a successful individual actually looks like is you know swallowing what society tells you that is so um, I went through some challenges in the last couple of years even within recovery that made me have to really stop and look at is this enough is this the authentic version of myself that I want to be and I I decided that I, I needed to give back. And so for me, what giving back looks like is writing. <clears throat> yeah, creativity. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, yeah. in the forefront for you. 
Um, oh gosh, it is. How, yeah. how did you find that that medium or that channel or that way of expressing yourself? Well, I went through a lot of chaos as a child. You know, a lot of that is talked about in my book, but we we moved a lot and I did never really learn how to um, make friends as a small child because um, we didn't stay anywhere for very long. And those social skills, those soft skills that you mm -hmm. ho hopefully learn as a young person, just I didn't get the opportunity to. So my friends were books. Like that is where I went, right? Like to find an escape, to like learn my vocabulary, you know, because we moved so much, even like I would miss big chunks of education, like, oh, well, we learned about that last semester, or we're learning about that next semester, and I just wouldn't get that. Yeah. So, you know, self-taught and, and finding an escape, um, that's, that was the first way that I looked for something outside of myself. And um, then I, you know, I realized that not only was the reading something that I could get something from, but maybe in the writing part of it, mm -hmm. I could communicate with the people that I don't know how to talk to. Like, I didn't know how to say, hi, my name is Rachel. Do you want to be friends? Like, I didn't know how to do that. Um, but I could maybe write you a note, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Write you a note mm -hmm. or a little short story or whatever. It was a natural progression because of a lack of structure in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's really interesting. So you discovered this way to put out or communicate who you are through mm -hmm. words. Um, when when did you discover that you could do this, or when did you start doing this? Um, I mean, I remember being really young, like seven, eight years old, and writing like stories, made up stories. Um, little one page made up stories and showing them to my mom or reading them to my little brother. <clears throat> and I remember um, really specifically being about 12 and being sure that I wanted to be a writer when I grew up. I just didn't know what that looked like. And I was discouraged from doing so, um, told that I didn't have, you know, not necessarily the talent, but like that I wouldn't be able to follow through with it and make it a thing. And I heard that's something I heard when I was older too, mm -hmm. um, that who would want to hear my story? Like, I'm not anybody. I'm not Paris Hilton. I'm not uh, George Clooney. I'm not anybody. Why would anybody want to pick up my story? What do I have to say that matters? And I like internalized that for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, well, that's, that's bullshit. Like, that's not true. That's not, I, I would want to hear my story if it wasn't me. And I, the, the Rachel that was walking through all of the scary stuff before, if I had found someone who had also experienced those things, telling me that I had worth and value and didn't have to marinate in them, it would have mattered. So, so I did it. So I wrote it. Well, I, I, I would imagine that you, you knew when you were a, a young child that you wanted to become a writer, right? Mm -hmm. And you've had, you had all these roadblocks and mm -hmm. lack of encouragement to pursue that creative path. What, what kept you going? What kept you nurturing that part of you? Well, I didn't for a long time. Like I really didn't. 
um, I put it down after I moved away from a lifestyle of insane drug use. Like I put it away for a really long time because that fear that we all have that without the um, substances in our mind and in our heart that there isn't anything of value that will come out right right um so I did I put it down and that's that's really when it was like well that was a part of that life and now it's time for me to be it's time for me to go to college and get a house and get my kids back and all the things that you know were important and I'm glad that I did um but there came a point where, like I said, I realized that not that there wasn't value in those accomplishments, because there is, and those are huge, but that isn't what defines me or nurtures my soul. And if I'm not, if I don't find that like heart center, right, and live from there, I'm just going through the motions. And why does it matter if I'm clean or not? It doesn't. Like, I may as well be using if I'm not going to really be me. And I don't want that because that the unmanageability that comes with that is just not something I want to participate in. And I'm not willing to give up the things that I have acquired in recovery. So I had to find a way to incorporate both. Just took a risk and just like threw up all over the page. And it was a big messy mess and it was all over the place. But it was like the first real thing I'd done in a decade. And, and as I like read through it again, I realized there was these gems of truth and of beauty and of vulnerability that I could build off of. And they were things that some of the things I didn't know about myself, like I'm still, I am still learning things about myself (laughs) now, even after writing my whole book about my life, I'm like, oh shit that's a thing. I didn't know that about me six months ago. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with that? I love it. So it's just taking a risk and, you know, maybe it was going to be terrible, but it wasn't. And it's definitely different when I was intoxicated. I mean, it's better. It is. It's just better because it's, it's, um, it's raw and it's real and it's authentic. And I think Anyone who is living from that vantage point, whatever it is that comes out, if it's raw and real and authentic, then it's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that you touched on um, the raw and authentic because it does take an amount of courage to put that out there. Yeah. And say, world, this is all of me. Mm-hmm. And then put it into a, a creative medium where it makes it even another layer of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, What compelled you to put your story out there? What what was the the, the push for you or the drive or what what was it? I mean, you know, it was a convergence of several things. Um, I don't really touch on this in the book because the book doesn't it's not my whole it's not an autobiography it's only a section of my life and it's only a specific story arc right and it it goes until it goes from the ages of four to 28 and I'm 45 so obviously it's not everything um but in the time after the book the, the things in the book occurred um 
there, you know, I had the opportunity to be confronted with some things that I, I thought I believed because I thought that I believed and it wasn't just indoctrination. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I was raised fundamentalist Christian. I fell in love with a woman. This was not on the plan. This was not the plan. <laughs> this was not the plan. And um, it was a, it was so big and huge and outside of, um, there was no pretending that it wasn't what it was. Mm-hmm. So I had the opportunity to like really dive deep into what I believed and where it came from. And um, I just realized there were a lot of things growing inside that didn't need to be there, that weren't truth, that weren't what I actually thought or believed that they were based in fear and um, things that I had been just swallowed wholesale as this is the way that it is. You don't question these things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then as that progressed for me, realizing that the likelihood that I'm the only one who has walked a similar path and stumbled into a challenging something to challenge their belief system, although I navigated it successfully and found a way to integrate loving my wife and still having a form of spirituality, maybe everybody else didn't. And I didn't find a voice out there allow both of those things to coexist. And I, I, you know, if the, if the voice doesn't exist and you feel compelled to say a thing, maybe you're the one that's supposed to say it. So, wow. you know, <clears throat> that just gave me goosebumps. Wow. That's oh. really great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that uh, so you, you, uh, you got the calling. Um, yeah. It's, it's yeah. like you stepped into your purpose. Mm-hmm. You were able to give meaning to the experience that you had in your mm-hmm. past mm-hmm. and bring it forward and put it out there. That's, that's incredible. I'm, since you put out the book, since you published the book, what, what has been different for you? Um, you know, so much and then really not much at all either. So like I want with a couple months before it was published, I was a bucket of nerves. I was terrified. Like who's going to say what? And this is some really, um, edgy ideas that I have in here, although I don't really pound anybody over the head with what it is. I'm trying to say, I I think it's pretty subtle through the text. There's definitely some ideas that go against cultural norms for sure. So I was really scared about like bad book reviews and, and people Mm -hmm. that I knew having things to say on a public platform and losing friends and all of that. And by and large, that hasn't happened. I got my first unpleasant anonymous review this morning, and um, it was an opportunity for me to um, have some acceptance around the fact that no matter how good you are or how great you do, you're never going to please everybody. Never. It's never going to happen. So it's been an opportunity for me to learn that to learn and identify that um, people pleasing maybe was a thread through my life for a long time. And it doesn't need to be 
and um, that approval seeking on the tail end of that also like also has been a threat in my life specifically with men and not necessarily romantically but just in general men mm -hmm. um, uh, approval seeking from them and it doesn't need to be um, and and it's the the responses that i've gotten like i have gotten messages from women that i've never met and probably never will sharing deeply intimate stories of their own trauma with me because something within my book resonated with them and it's so um i'm so honored to be able to listen and hold space for them and although i i am not a therapist and in no way do i pretend to have all of the answers, um, I can let someone know that they're not alone and maybe direct them towards a resource where they can get some help. Because those moments, right, where someone is struggling, whether <clears throat> it's with addiction or trauma or anything else, the moment of I need help and I want to reach out is so fleeting. And mm -hmm. to be able to like show up for somebody there and maybe hold their hand to the next step isn't something I expected to occur, but it's occurred over and over and over. And that's really beautiful. Um, but personally, like I still get up in the morning and snuggle with my dog and kiss my wife and have coffee and uh, watch 90 Day Fiance <laughs> post on social media just like I did three months ago. Like that's my life hasn't really changed in that way. Um, so it's it's an interesting dichotomy for sure. Yeah, it's a I would it's like a ripple effect, mm -hmm. I would imagine. Um, just experiencing reading your story um, because of your story, for me, it created it like expanded space where I could accept more things about my recovery and my past. And I saw a lot of my past in your story where I haven't heard anyone speak about. Mm. And so I was able to identify with that and, and be like, look at that inside of me mm. and explore that. And, you know, I'm still kind of teetering. I'm, I'm 18 months. I'll be 19 months sober uh, February 1st. Congratulations. Wow. That's <laughs> so <you>. amazing. <laughs> Thank you. And um, it, it's been interesting because mm -hmm. it is my second time in recovery. Yeah. So it's like, it's a different layer or lens that I'm looking through. Yeah. Because of all this. So, I mean, I, I speak a lot around like being alcohol free mm -hmm. and not drinking, but in my past, there was a lot of heavy drug using. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I saw a lot of that in your story. Oh, yeah. Crazy oh, yeah. shit that happened <laughs> yeah. that came along with it. <laughs> there were so many moments where I'm like, like what? How, the, how did I get here? <laughs> There's so many. I, I, I just, I have a flashback and I'm like, uh, I don't even know how I survived. Uh -huh. Like, For literally. Sure. Like, For literally. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm so, it's so amazing to hear that it affected you that way, because now I have goosebumps. Like, that's, that's, that was the point, right? Because it's all, there's so much stuff that people just still don't talk about. Right. We yes. just, we don't talk about date rape. We don't talk about child abuse. We don't talk about 
you know, adoption. We don't talk about all of these things and, you know, so many others. And why not? Why don't we? Like, I know that I'm not the only one. I'm not. And um, yes, I, I think we get caught up in what, what they think or what they mm -hmm. are saying or going to say. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I think that's what all of this is about is having these conversations so that we can, you know, work like that stigma that's attached to yes. recovery and addiction, yeah. being a creative in yeah. recovery yeah. <laughs> with addiction. Yeah. So many layers to it that we still don't talk about, you know, and. Yeah. Money's changed, man, because our secrets make us sick. And I know that that's like a recovery based 12 step cliche, but it's so true. Like yeah, those true. things we hold inside of us, if we don't feel safe to find the community in which to talk about it and heal about it and get it out of us, it's, it's just going to fester and nobody wants a festering wound inside of them. You know, being a creative, you know, like I had, I had a, a career in marketing, which is really helpful for book promotion. Yeah. Are you, <laughs> like, are you self-published or are you? I, yeah, I am. I did. I did. I have a dear friend who, um, did an edit on the book for me mm -hmm. and she she's a professional her name is sage and she has a, a a business of her own and i don't know what i would have done without her but other than that the whole thing was me like i wrote i typeset it i did the cover uh, i published it um i've done all the promotion thankfully my career when i was employed outside of the home was in marketing Mm -hmm. But the ten, the 10 years that I did that between where the book ends and today, nobody at my work knew any of this. Like, yeah. I'm sure, I mean, I haven't really talked to many people from then, but, you know, I'm sure there was some office conversations that the water cooler that were interesting, to say the least. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you know that. Really what? <laughs> Have you read this? <laughs> But, you know, okay, but that's honestly, that's the other part of why I wrote it. It wasn't just to reach people that it would resonate with, although that was a big part. It was to reach the people that I worked with for a decade and people like them, the people where I used to sit in board meetings where um, business leaders and city council members would be making decisions about people like me and not realize that people like me was sitting at the table with them. And I didn't have a voice at that point. I hadn't chosen to speak. I was living in the closet in more ways than one. You know, that idea of those people and that separation between them and us, whatever we're talking about, whether it's with race or whether it's formerly incarcerated or it's, it's individuals in recovery, um, when we delineate between then we, you know, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And how are we going to have a successful community if we keep people from voting or we keep people from coming on their kids' school field trips or renting them a house or uh, offering them employment, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So being able to be the face that people in my area know from that life and be like, listen, I am you and I am them. So there is no difference. We're just yeah. us. Absolutely. Who you are. So you're sitting at the table mm -hmm. uh, with people who may not necessarily seek out your story, right. but may need to hear your story so that yes. you can help open 
their minds and have a different right. perspective that it takes all types of people from all walks of life mm-hmm. and history to bring bring us forward to what we're all trying to accomplish. And at the end of the day, really, it's just feeling like we belong and mm-hmm. loved. You know, right. And safety is a part of that as well. Right. And, you know, I've said it before, and I'm sure I'll say it again, but anyone who is really far into their addiction and the people that are, you know, have their lives together, whatever that means right are judging them and telling them that they're worthless and that they're no good and they don't want a part of their them to be a part of their community like man I already knew that about myself when I was loaded and strung out I knew that I I thought that I was worthless and no good and didn't belong I certainly didn't need anybody to tell me that Mm -hmm. and when who aren't struggling with addiction to that level tell people that they that they don't have a place in society, what is going to propel them to get clean and become a part of the society that doesn't want them? You know, like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So be, like you said, belonging. You've got to, there's got to be space for people to have those moments of clarity and to choose healing because if healing looks like it's going to hurt worse and then you're still not going to fit in why would you want to do it yeah 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 and it, because it does it does take a uh going back to the place of like courage it takes a lot of courage to admit these things about yourself you know mm-hmm. that that there's that healing piece that usually has a whole entire history whether it's wired your environment um, all of that, you know, being able to move forward and feel like there is a safe space to explore that yeah. without being judged, because we all know that we're our biggest critic and we're our, right. we judge ourselves the hardest. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, that's amazing. And mm-hmm. you know, like I said, your story gave that to me. Mm-hmm. It 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 created a bigger space where I could explore different parts of things that. I might, I still put the, the word regret, which mm-hmm. that's not really a healthy place to exist with right. everything that I've gone through. Or if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be here where right. I am right now having this conversation with you. Right. So it's just, I think it's just being able to make peace with it. Mm-hmm. And so if we can create a safe space for others to do that, um, I don't know. I, I just have a feeling it can only get better. From yeah. Here. Yeah. I mean, when we take away the propensity for shame, both internally and externally, that's where healing happens. There's no place for shame. There, it just doesn't belong. You are not a bad person. I am not a bad person. Done shitty stuff? Absolutely. <laughs> does not make me unworthy of existing. Or of changing my behaviors. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have to ask, uh, is there a, a second book? You know, I've been thinking about it. Um, I want there to be. I I um I miss writing already. I thought when I was done uh 
that I would never want to write again because it was so much. Was oh so yeah, much. I would imagine the process. <laughs> uh, it was, I must have rewritten it 17 times, right? Like wow. I'd be like, okay, we're done. But wait, no, I have to look at it from this lens or from over here. So um, I didn't expect that I would already be thinking about a second one. And I am, and I don't have it landed on what, else I want to say yet because I don't you know it's maybe the book is maybe one one hundredth of experiences that I've walked through in life it's by no means comprehensive and just telling you a different time this thing happened or a different time that thing happened doesn't really bring anything new to the table and I don't want to just capitalize off of the response that it's gotten so far right it's not it, that's not what it's about for me so I think I'm still realizing and, and learning things about myself through this process and I think I'm going to wait probably six months before I really like sit down and okay so what else you know what would I like to say and follow up and unless I have something real solid that I want to bring to the table um well let's just say Okay. At the six month mark. So okay. that's like three months away. So ask me in three months. Okay. We're good with that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I saw, uh, I think maybe on your account or a post that there's like a book tour or you just came off a book tour. Yeah, I just did. Yeah. It ended yesterday. Also through Sage, um, her, her stuff is tell your stories publishing. If some, if anyone out there in your audience is an author and is looking for kind of some handholding and how to, you know, really she does the gamut of everything. Um, but she's also jumped into some helping with marketing, which I, I necessarily didn't need some help, but I certainly needed a break from it. So she organized a virtual blog book tour for me and um, there was several reviews and several spotlights and some chatter on social media I wouldn't have received otherwise. So it was pretty fun um, getting it out there to people I wouldn't have reached on my own. Um, so yeah, that just ended yesterday. Uh, the other thing that's coming up that I'm really excited about is my audiobook is in production right now. Oh, wow. I know. It's so exciting. <laughs> I just got from my voice actor, I just got the proof of like most of the book. So I've been listening to it, which is a whole nother immersive experience. I'll tell you. Yeah. No, wow. <laughs> you got a voice actor. Yeah. too. <laughs> So like hearing somebody else's take on it and, and hearing it out loud as opposed to like uh -huh. writing it, it's just, it's, it's intense. So that will hopefully be available in the next month or two after everything gets finalized. So that's insane. Cause it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to be on audible. I don't know. Where are we living that that's a reality? <laughs> like yes. It's crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, it, it makes sense too. It's, um, more convenient way yeah of, for sure of reading a book or when you're reading you're, you're taking in the book and yeah i find that when i'm listening to the to to someone's story like it come it, i don't know i experience it a different way mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm actually hearing it and so it just resonates in the body differently for me so that sure does like she's an amazing she's an amazing actor too and 
I mean, obviously I know the material. I lived the material. I wrote the material. I breathed the material for a solid year. But hearing it like that in someone else's voice is just, like you said, it's immersive. Like I have an emotional response in several mm-hmm. spots that like I thought that I had fully processed the experience, but hearing it that way is like, wow, that's intense, man. It's intense. <laughs> where can we um where can we find your book or purchase your book so the best way to do it is amazon um it is at local bookstores here but unless you're like in my neighborhood you're probably not going to grab it um it's on barnes and noble too um i know most storefronts are closed but amazon's the easiest it's both paperback and ebook um Against Such Things. I don't know if we've said that in the podcast, but it's Against Such Things by Rachel K. Baldwin. Um, And then you can also, for updates on events and um, when the audiobook comes out and all that, I'm on Instagram and I have an author page on Facebook too. Awesome. Awesome. And in in recovery, um, just going back to your journey, what's what's your biggest takeaway like what's the biggest lesson that recovery is a whole lot more than stopping putting substances in your body that it that's just literally the very beginning that at that point it's what you choose to do with it um how deep you choose to go within yourself to to look at your traumas and why you believe what you believe and to heal like to heal the things that happen to you are not your fault or your responsibility but what you choose to do with the aftermath is and you know like I say in the book like I choose life today and I hope that you do too because it doesn't have to be it, it doesn't have to be a cyclical reliving of the traumas in your life forever wow wow I'm going to just take that in <laughs> So we have, um, you know, folks in creative folks who are in sobriety, but we also have folks who are sober curious. Right. So right. if someone's looking to, you know, be sober and clean, mm-hmm. still asking those hard questions, mm-hmm. what's something that you would say and offer, offer to that person? I mean, a couple of things. I would say harm reduction is important, right? Like, don't let anybody tell you that if you take a needle out of your arm and get on a medication management program that you aren't working towards your recovery because they're lying to you and you don't need that garbage. I would say that. And then secondly, I would say, why is it that you need think that you need substances to be okay? And maybe look at that before you make any hard and fast decisions. Like, what is it that's propelling this that your use, whatever your use looks like. Um, And if it is something big and scary, outside help is always appropriate for that. There are resources. There are are resources in in all areas for every iteration of trauma. And if if it's causing unmanageability in your life, you know, being honest with yourself about that. Thank you so much for your time today and sharing your story. Yeah. Um, all of it is, is just amazing. I just, it's impacted me in such a big way. And I, I thank you for that and this opportunity to speak with you. 
Well, thank you, May. It's been lovely chatting with you and just connecting with you over social media has been great too. I really appreciate the support. I find Rachel's story incredibly inspiring. It's a perfect example of overcoming what we never thought could be possible, beating the odds and lifting up through spirit and love. We wish her continued success on her book. You can follow Rachel on Instagram at Calm Before the Rage and purchase her book on Amazon, which is available in paperback, hardcover, or Kindle. If you like what you heard, please rate, subscribe, and leave us a review where you are listening to this podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at The Creative Sober. Thank you for listening to The Creative Sober Podcast. I am your host, Missing May. Until next time, stay healthy, stay creative.